This is a public service announcement to William de Borges Silva. Turn up your headphones and listen to this. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Pierre Emerick Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the Gunners! Welcome back to the greatest football team in the history of the world, No Questions Asked podcast with the Alexander Mike And we are going to win the league this season. <laughs> Tonight. <laughs> Today. And Bradley Adams. Bradley Adams. Brad, I have to start with an apology. Okay. Um, I actually can't do this podcast because I've got smallpox. Um, it, it's, it's, it's the first case in over 300 years. I, I just can't do it. Um, it's nothing to do with, with, with poor performance. It's nothing to do with I don't want to do it. It's, it's, it's obviously not that. I've just got smallpox. So yeah. I'd like you to respect my privacy at this time. I respect um, your privacy. I'll post an Instagram post to Same, make you feel like I'm still involved. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nothing to do with perhaps the fact that, you know, I've been missing big chances recently. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing to do with that. So yeah, just yeah. Uh, that's it. So you're going to have to take over the podcast. Hope that's all right, mate. That's, that's, that's all right. That's all right, my friend. Brad's done a rewatch. That, He's so prepared. The, I, I'm very prepared. On the joke that you're making about, obviously, um, the flu. <laughs> one thing that I found very interesting, right? Um... It, I can't remember. I, w- I can't remember what it popped up on, but cases of flu are genuinely down in this country a ridiculous amount because of mask wearing. It's due to coronavirus. It's. I think there it's isn't like, any cases of flu. Like there's no, none confirmed. Current, like, yeah, there's no confirmed cases. Or certainly, of flu there's de- there's definitely reports. Like, couldn't they just have yeah. done a Meza Özil backache? Surely. Yeah, of course, of course, surely. Anything. But like, isn't that isn't that fascinating? And for me, a big fuck you to all of the. I'm not wearing a mask, they don't work, people. Because, like, flu hasn't basically existed in the last six months, really. It's the government. They want to they muzzle you. They want to muzzle me. That's what they want to do. They, they want to take whatever they want to keep my. They want to keep my opinions in my mouth and I can't get them out because it's a mask in a way. If only I had a platform like, I don't know, Twitter or my fan base or my family or... <laughs> no one will listen. It's because it's because voices are being silenced, Brad, and I know that because I hear it every day. Um, right. Um, <laughs> oh, that's my favourite sentence. Love it. Back to Arsenal. Arsenal. Yes. Arsenal. I've done a rewatch. We beat, Love it. Yes. We beat Sheffield United three. The mighty. Remember the mighty Sheffield United three nil. Um, have they got how many points? Have they got four. That's what I'm googling. Yeah. <laughs> At Bramall Lane. Um, listen, it didn't change the world. Um, we should have beaten them, but it was good to they've beat got them. Fourteen and... points. Of, of, okay. They've had four wins, two draws, and twenty-five losses. But they're mighty, Brad. They're mighty. Um, what a drop-off! Yeah, from poor. last season as well. Also, only Arsenal could make Aaron Ramsdale look like Edison in that first half. <laughs> There's a few moments where he was like pinging a ball pinging out balls. to like McGoldrick and I was like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I think he's let in something like 58 goals in 20, uh, 30 appearances or something. 55 goals in 30 <clears throat> something appearances. Brad, you're well prepared today. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous, mate. Jesus. I, I feel re- like, because I loved Sheffield last season. They were like the feel good factor. 
especially because yeah. like things were so bad under Emery. Like you tend to start looking at other teams just for enjoyment. It's like yeah, I've like, done that like a Leeds little bit with season. Leeds this season. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and to have them drop off so heavily is. But I think that's yeah. what happens when you invest money poorly. You have a championship level squad, and your tactics get found out. They had yeah. one. It's like it's like with Leicester. Leicester, when they won the league, had one tactic, and no one figured it out quick enough before it was too late. You know, no because if you look at the fucking quality. Enough, yeah. Yeah, and if you look at the quality of players that they had, they had like bloody Robert Huth and Wes Morgan at centre back, Christian Fuchs at left back, Shinji Okazaki was their backup. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Danny was it? Was it Danny Simpson who was their right back? Yeah, like, Danny, Danny Simpson and Drinkwater. Like a, a horrendous level of talent in that squad, but Ranieri just set them up in the right way, and people didn't figure it out quick enough. And by that point, Dilly Ding Dilly Dong, Giroud was exactly. on a twelve game on, <laughs> not scoring one, and Dilly Ding Dilly Dong. Yeah. Yeah, oh, exactly. Uh, so listen, yes, 3-0 at Bramall Lane. Um, it was, yeah, overall, fine. <laughs> it's one of those games, you know, I think I was very Except happy. and I, I was really happy with, about it, but... Yeah, and there's a lot to unpack from it and there's a lot to kind of come out of it. But like the result itself, I don't feel is the kind of the main point. That it, you know, no. it really, it should feel like a warm-up game for Thursday. That, you know, unfortunately, and I've been thinking about this, it's like, unfortunately... It shouldn't be, but it is the biggest game of our season, undeniably, oh, yeah. currently. Uh, and every Europa League game will be to get us back into Europe. Um, but yeah, listen, can I kind of warm up for for Thursday? And I think there's some really, really interesting stuff. We set up really interestingly. Um, let's just get into the game. Yeah, we, we, we set up really interestingly. Let's go for it, mate. Um, there was a sort of uh, BT Sport obsession with the idea of Granite Xhaka at left back. Um, which wasn't quite what was happening, but um, yeah, it was it was interesting. We've seen him there before, right? Um, yeah, a couple of times uh, when he's had to cover for injury or or whatever. Um, I think that we kind of learned our lesson with when we brought Cedric on uh, mm. on Thursday with the whole not having a natural left footer at left back is is an issue. So sticking him in the defensive phase as that left back was was smart, I thought. And then obviously when we've got possession, it turns into more three centre-backs with Jacques Amari and holding in the first half like by their average positions pretty much in a perfect little U. Um, and I think it worked well. Yeah. On the rewatch, Especially- there were a few moments when he's caught out of position. Like there's the the mm. first chance that they get, um, I think it's McGoldrick's shot. Xhaka is challenging him. And the reason that McGoldrick's got that space is because Mari's had to pull out towards the left because Xhaka's pulled mm. centrally. Mm. Um, so I don't think, and but that's not me saying he had a terrible performance. I'm just saying, you know, there are a few moments where you can obviously tell he's not a, a defender in the sense that his yeah. positioning in those kind of areas can be a little... Uh, wary but yeah, it was a good it was interesting as well because him. yeah yeah for sure and it was interesting as well because I thought Sheffield um, there was a, a quote that was taken out of context from one of the commentators I can't remember who it was who said you know oh I don't expect Sheffield I, I can't believe Sheffield are playing like this or something this is unlike so Sheffield you know I this is unlike Sheffield it. yeah and <laughs> what it was was actually Sheffield were trying to play play they were trying to play out and they were, they were pressing quite high yeah. Um, they're trying to play some expansive football. I mean, they've obviously the, the 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 temptation would be if you're trying to fight for your survival, which I feel like they've just given up on, would be to sit back, compact, try and hit them on the counter, and you know lump it 
lump it along to McBurney, but um, McGoldrick. But yeah, the uh, they, they were tr- trying to press quite high. And actually for Xhaka, like, I think having that, and, and Arteta in his po- post-match said he we knew they were going to try something. And I, I think he was referring to that. Um, and having that left footer just on that side as you said we we did learn the lesson and it's so important Mm -hmm. just having that ball like down that side and being able to know that that option is there on that left left foot Mm -hmm. to just get it out as an out ball or or whatever down the line I think when you have a team who are so reliant on that first phase as Arsenal on getting it through our midfield getting up to the 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 attacking midfielders it's so important to have players who who have all the options available. You want a right foot on Absolutely. the right, you want a left footer on the left, you mm-hmm. want people who can use both feet in the middle. Um, and, you know, everyone's going to have a stronger foot, and Jacka definitely does, but I just think having a left footer there is so useful. It's um, vital, it's vital. But on like, what you were saying about Sheffield and that, I think the comment I've just had a look is very uh, unlike Sheffield United, this performance. And I think it's because they've made a very smart decision that they know they're gone. Yeah. Like there's they've got they're they're so far off the pace, they know they're gone. So what they're doing is they're em- embedding their style of play for the next season. The next season. They're going, smart. this is how we're gonna play next season. We're gonna use the eight games we have left in the Premier League. Even if we lose all eight of them, we're embedding a system. It's just smart management by a club that know that they're going down. Yep. Uh but on us, yeah, it's especially when starting Martinelli, who's right footed not having another left-footed central midfield option, you know, with Ceballos in there. Mm. Um, and then having our only two other left-footers be um, Pepe and then Saka, who mm. Pepe obviously on the right-hand side, but then even Saka, when playing at that 10 spot, tends to drift out more to the right than to the left. And you can see that mm. by the kind of average formations. Yeah, yeah. Um, having that left, that almost not, well, yeah, stationary left footer that's always going to be on that left hand yeah, side not going to overlap is He's never going to yeah, overlap is important um 100%. yeah it was it was a really interesting performance from us um yeah tactically as well i i kept i kept wanting the the camera to like zoom out because i kept being like what i've literally written down what the fuck is this formation and you you know yeah. you see kind of the the average position things and you sort of work it out but um yeah it, it was an interesting one i think um we started off okay um i wasn't i was slightly concerned just because it, i felt like we we needed a reaction and it felt a little bit like we were growing into the game but then you mm. grow into the game and it works and it was fine and by sort of 20 minutes we were totally in control um there's a few moments with saka's finishing but again we discussed that on the discussed that just on the last needs podcast. to learn how to shoot but even then he's a yeah. he's a creative midfielder like he's the kind of midfielder that you want to get probably like eight to ten goals a season on yeah. a good season, but be racking yeah, yeah. up the assists, the pre-assists, progressing mm-hmm. the ball, doing all of these things. You know, that's, that they are the numbers that are important for Saka, which is why, you know, having him at 10, I thought worked really well, especially yeah. because he is so, I think, did you say, is it ambipedal when they can use both feet? Yeah. yeah, yeah. he is so good. Like, obviously his left foot is stronger, but he's got a good delivery on his right and he's so technically yeah. assured with both feet that having yeah. that in the centre is great so useful you know and and i think so, so something useful. as we grew into the game the thing that i noticed the most was the distances we just close the distances teams are able to stretch us and then we really really struggle when we can get technically secure players around lacazette and close those distances we're so much better and you see mm-hmm. sabios who you know 
Sabayas, as we've said many times, can drop a stinker, but especially when he's further forward, he's much more useful because he's so technically secure. As we said before, when that goes, he's pointless, but he was, he had a really good game. And there's a few really nice moments where he wriggled out of um, a challenge and, you know, could play a pass forward. But getting Ceballos, getting getting Saka, getting Lacazette close to each other, um, as mm. well as, you know, Pepe and Martinelli as the options as the outball on the, either side, was so useful. And it was it was coming. It was coming for a while. Um, Chambers put some nice balls in. Um, there was, as I said, there was a moment with Martinelli and Saka where Saka was cleaned through and, and sort of hit to the side. Martinelli had a few moments where he he's greedy man he's greedy but I love it it's it's in a really really positive way um he's very um he just wants to shoot he just wants to shoot and it's good as well because we have so many we have so many shirkers we have so many people that don't want to shoot that want to just get rid of the ball in certain phases that and that is one thing that we have massively been missing is that directness and hunger i think that 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 is the main kind of key phrase and that's the reason that you're looking at martinelli saka um erdegaard tierney gabriel Mm. like all of these players be our best players and even you know cedric suarez at some points at right back has been one of our better players this season because all of those players are hungry to prove something Cedric wants to get back into the Portuguese national squad. Saka, Martinelli um, want to kind of establish themselves as first team players. Erdegaard wants to put himself back on the map after a bit of a torrid time at Madrid. You know, all of these players are trying to prove something. Chambers, come back from injury, is trying to prove something mm. on that right-hand side. Mm. So it's the comfortable players. It's, become, it's the guys we, who, Yeah, we who, just need that yeah. to infect the entire squad. And, yeah. you know, whatever I think that the smart it was smart to sign a Bamiyang down to a new deal because obviously he's a player that we need we can't keep letting these types of players go for free hmm. but he's not doing anything currently to say what well, he should get back into this squad well he was, over, he was really like ill he Brad he was very very ill he couldn't possibly shouldn't get in over Martinelli I mean <sighs> Lacazette's a weird one isn't he we should probably talk about him, but he's a weird one yeah. because he does more of what I think Arteta wants as a centre forward, but just isn't of the quality that's needed. Yeah, I mean, I mean, sense. just just to finish up on Martinelli, like you know, twenty-one starts, sixteen goals and assists. Like we need that directness in the team. We know that, mm. and he's coming. He's definitely coming. I think um, on on Lacazette. Yeah, I mean, he you know he's he's now at thirteen uh, goals and twenty-seven appearances, which is currently his best return ever. Um, it is an interesting one, and I think you're right. There's a there's a certain amount that Lacazette does. You know, talking about those those sort of spaces and looking at the average mm. position maps, he's invo- he's he's able to be involved in those kind of triangles on the left hand side. Conversely, with you know Saka and Pepe and Chambers on the other, he's able to drop and and link. He's he he when he's not pushed over, he's strong and. Um, such an oxymoron. When he's you know not I mean? strong, like, when he's not when, strong, when he, he's strong. <laughs> yeah, no, but you know what I mean. Like, as in he he he's yeah. he is pushed over, but sometimes when he holds himself, he can he can be really used as a kind of lacquering round, 100%. As, we've, as we've used before. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, the yeah, I, I just it's it's strange because after a game like that, we scored two goals, looks great. You think, great, let's let's get him on a new deal. You know, we Absolutely. Aubameyang's not firing, whatever. But 
we can't afford to do that. We can't afford to be that team who we did it with Giroud for so long. We did it. We've done it with so also, so so many players. The thing is, players. is we have also done it with Aubameyang. We've committed something like over the course of his contract, fifty million pounds. Mm. Over the course of his contract until it ends. That's going to cost the club around fifty million pounds. That's a shitload of money, and Lacazette's not on small wages. So to renew it, no. you've either got to give him parity of wage, is in like the same wage that he's on, or more than likely an increase. Yeah. So, and again, it's just again, fina- it's financially not sensible to sign because Aubameyang's on like what three hundred and fifty grand a week. Mm. Lacazette's probably on one hundred and fifty to one hundred and eighty. I think. Mm. Something like that. You can't have two strikers on win like and it, that when we say this, we're talking about the structure of our club and the structure of the wage bill and the structure of the fact that we haven't been in top level European competition for so long. You can't have two strikers, neither of which you want really to be your your main, main profile guy. of striker going forward, forward, costing you five over half a million pounds a week. So as much as he might put in a performance like this, score two goals and you go, well, you know, he, he is better for the system. We have hitched our wagon to a mm. We now need to kind of stick with that decision almost. And I think that that is what is the nail in, in Lacazette's coffin this summer, because you could make an argument that say you, we were yeah. coming to Abamyang having one year left on his deal this summer, you could go, okay, well, why don't we sell, Abamyang, he's the much better finisher but if we can get the got like the differential in goals between say for example example you look at Lacazette who scores 15 goals in a Premier League season and Abamyang who scores about 25 and you go okay well why don't we just add 10 goals somewhere else let's get those 10 goals from the left wing from the right wing and from our midfielders and then you don't see that much of a drop off and then the system can progress more you know it's it's better for the system but the issue is, is we have hitched our wagon and we have signed ourselves down to um, Aubameyang for the future, which is fine. That is the decision going forward. And that's smart because even if we sell him, I don't know if we could sell him this summer, but it's it's asset management. But you for know, me, I, I, w- I that... would sell Aubameyang because I think I think we've oh, got... Oh yeah, if you could. I think, if... I think we've got two players who kind of fit what Arteta wants. And he's just not going to fit a system around them. We've got. If we've you got had spine... Obama Zet, if you had yeah. Obama Zet, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Perfect. It's, it's perfect because then you'd have a player. If you took all the best bits of each, fantastic, and and make him twenty three, bang, you've got an incredible striker there. But you know, we've got a spine developing, mate. We've got we've got Gabriel, we've got Party, we've got we've got Smith Rowe, we've got Saka, we've got Tierney. Th- these players are going to be the cornerstone of our side, and the way those guys fit into our system is the way we're trying to play and we mm-hmm. we've got a blunt end we've got a blunt end of our knife and we we need to we need to fix that and i think you if know, we got an offer in the summer for like 45 million 50 million you you, you should consider it we should it, consider smart. it and it's even smart. if we got offers for both of them and then we just went out and signed a new striker i don't think again that would be the worst move in the no. world and and i think also when when just to slightly come back to your point earlier I know what you mean about we hitched our wagon, but I do kind of think just because someone signs a contract doesn't mean shit, really. Like, you know, they've signed a contract. To be honest, it means, you know, of course it means that if nothing happens, they're going to finish their contract. That's what contracts are. But 
you know, it's asset management. And for example, with Rob Holding, do I believe that Arteta thinks Rob Holding is the future of Arsenal? No. But is he a... Sellable you know, asset. De- sellable like asset. 10, 15 age. million pounds to but Sheffield English, United or to Swansea, you know. English, homegrown, you know, decent defender, Premier League experience, fantastic. That even just that added that that contract, if he's planning on selling him in, selling him in the summer, that's another 10, 15, 20 mil to his to his price tag. So mm-hmm. I just think it's smart. And for me personally, I really hope we're absolutely cutthroat in the summer and just go, listen, Abamying potentially both Abamying and Lacazette just get out the door because they're not exactly what we need and we can't continue having these sort of halfway house sort of players and you look at Martinelli that guy he's entering his third season and and, and, I, and I hear discussions about you know is is Gabby ready to step up and whatever and, and I don't think he is but is he ready to be a backup? Is he ready to really push whoever's going to be first? Absolutely. He's entering his, his third oh, uh, gosh, his yeah. third season for, for Arsenal. He's going to be 20, you know, coming up to 21 or whatever it is, but he's only, you remember, he's he's 20 until he turns 21. That's how ages work. Um, but the the point being that, you know, he's ready to be a backup. If Balogun's signing, you've got two young, hungry players trying to prove themselves, hopefully pushing someone. And if we can get Aubameyang and Lacazette together and sell them off, there's enough money there to, to invest to be honest, I I would prioritise elsewhere. But if we're talking about the strikers, that's that's what I'd do. Um, yeah. Anyway. If, and if obviously it comes to a situation, just to finish the point of if you get offers for them, because, you know, the fact that Aubameyang's on big wages might be a sticking yeah. point and might be an issue. But if you did get, say, a, 50, a 45, 50 million pound offer for Aubameyang, I think you take it. And if you get a 20, 25 million pound offer for Lacazette, you take it. And yep. then you take that money and you go and buy somebody who's got a year left yeah. on their deal and yeah. in that kind but, of 28 age range to just be that starter but like when we had Giroud Giroud was our starting striker but didn't start every game you know we'd play mm. Sanchez up top we'd play we'd do some really weird shit like he didn't start every game Walcott something like that where we could yeah. yeah we could play Martinelli up top we could play Pepe up top all of these are options Oh, that was the end. <laughs> yeah. Options. Just to move forward. They options. <laughs> Just leave it hanging. Just leave okay. it hanging in the air. That was nice. That was like a <laughs> discord. Um, yeah. Yeah. Listen. And, and, you know, kind of going back to the game, we saw what, when Lacazette, Lacazette is at his best, when he's around defenders that perhaps aren't particularly uh, good, you know, he good. can really show off what he can do. And we saw it in the goal, you know, it was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Chambers into, into party, party, I think, into Lacazette, who gives it to Saka. Sabahis flicks around the corner, bang, yeah. it's 1 0. Oh. And you're thinking, where's Arsene Wenger? I mean, it was gorgeous, but. That was that, pure I mean, that, prime time. That Wenger. just shows when you get those players close together, they are very talented. It's just the. Mm-hmm. At times we've been so spread out. I mean, you know, I'm thinking, thinking back to, I always have sort of nightmares of that Tottenham game where we're you know, trying to break down that low block. But if you imagine, if there's like a compact system, <laughs> Brad's putting his hands over his eyes. If you imagine that compact Spurs system, and I always think about where the players are, they're completely scattered. We need mm. to move that five yards up. Lacazette, stay on the last man. You know, yeah. whoever was, was playing attack in midfield that day needs to be in and around him. And having someone like Saka in the middle at 10, another reason he's good is he can play on the half turn. He's some, uh, especially against Sheffield, when you don't feel like you're going to be pressured particularly. He Saka playing on the half turn was so useful for us. He he was consistently mm. taking the ball and making us central. Um, 
and it, it brought it brought Lacazette into the game, and you and you see his quality at that at that point, and um, yeah, but um, no, yeah, de- listen, decent first half. Um, I think it's also important to mention, like like you said about that Spurs game. Uh, this is our worst season in decades. Like it's never been this bad while I've literally been alive, right? Spurs were talked about like they were winning the league at the start of this season. Harry Kane and Son are as hot as they've ever been in their careers. They're four points ahead of us. Only like so Spursy. It's very Spursy, but also and into only wider... Spurs could have the what like literally probably definitely top two, if not the best striker in world football right now, and another world class talent. And only be four points ahead of an Arsenal team that people were talking about could get relegated or be in a relegation battle three, four months ago. <laughs> Thought, thoughts with Son, by the way. He uh, he was clearly really injured yeah. yesterday when he. Um... Also, though, I, I don't want that to be misconstrued as there was a lot of racist abuse towards Son yesterday. Now, look, what he did was oh, yeah. was dirty. Like it was it was cheating, and it denied Man United a perfectly good goal. That does not give you an excuse to racially abuse someone. Nope. Um. Second half started. Pepe had a great run down the right. Um, cut back to Lacazette with time, and we saw the other side of Lacazette, <laughs> where <laughs> he can be frustrating, and 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 that's what it is, and that's what we've got to deal with. But we've 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 kind of been over that. Something that I, two things I wanted to pick up on that that started to annoy me in the second half was firstly, especially at nil nil, it annoyed me more than one nil because we were you know that's okay. when you, when you're one nil up, you you're winning a game. I don't know if, sort of. And then, but yeah. when you're nil nil, you're you're, you're not drawing. winning the game. Not Is that correct? I think so. I had to check the rule book, but yeah, because we were winning, it annoyed me less. But Leno taking so long to get attacks going. You know, if the ball would break to him or come back to him, he takes so long to select his pass. I don't know whether it's kind of, I don't know whether it's him confidence, maybe confidence to to to, to play those balls. Whether it's he thinks he has no options. Whether he it's the technical. Whether it's the positioning. I really don't know. But something that really, and I don't want to get into a long, you know, should we replace Leno discussion, but it's something that is a real lim- limitation of his game. It's a real limitation of his game. Not funny. Uh, to kind of, <laughs> to kind of come back to that. Like, yeah, like he just, I, I do feel it, it loses us probably 30 seconds every single game. And I know it's tiny. It's really tiny. But if we're in, in the Premier League, the, there are fine margins. And if Leno just and if takes... breaking... Yeah, just get it out quicker. Every I've yeah. I, I genuinely could, and do you know what it was. And the two things, and the, the next point I'm going to make is watching the Man United game. Dean Henderson, ball breaks, he picks it up immediately, rolls it out, and they're going immediately. Yeah, you, you, we, there are lots of key, you know we've had goals against us, like from when we got battered by Villa. One of their goals is literally a throw or, or kick out by Emmy to yep, somebody straight else away. straight away, and then. Now, obviously, that's going to stick in my head because he's an ex-player, but it's this, the same point is like having somebody who whose district like I don't think his distribution is bad. I just think that he like is not yeah. he's not the it type be of confident. keeper that does it. Could it. Be, like, it could be you know the players in front of him. He thinks oh they're not going to. I don't know what it is, but I see it every single game. This kind of dilly dallying yeah. on the ball. It's, when we're we're ready to to counter press or whatever it is, but yeah. And the thing on that is. You accept those limitations if the other parts of his game are top notch. Like you accept Aubameyang and the fact that he's not partic- yeah, particularly technically assured, and he's not, yeah, and he can't really dribble because he needs three touches and he can smack it in the net. And then, like you go, like of course we accept that. But with Leno, 
it's now getting to a stage where the level of his just like goalkeeping shot stopping has come down so much than what we've once seen that mm. it is no longer acceptable to also have those limitations because I'm going, you hamper us in this way, but you're not even helping us in this way. Like, I think there's a shot, I don't know if it's from a Goldrick, that he spills and that he has to take a second chance to grab. Mm. And it's it's basic stuff like that. It's the palming of the head up against Slavia Prague into the top of the net. Like It's all of these things that I just go, if you aren't doing these things and you're limiting us building out from the back, which is actually probably more important for us moving forward, I just think that it's time to maybe... It's time to go. R.I.P. Claude. R.I.P. Um, but it might be time to start, maybe not this summer, but next summer. Well, depending on what happens with Donnarumma, targeting a replacement. Time for some Lenovations in goal. Come on, that was better. I saw that hit your head about 45 seconds ago. And I thought, I, I, I was like, I genuinely was like, does he, is he, does he got, has he got something to add? Is he going to jump in the conversation? No, it was no. just that pun. Just waiting for the, just waiting for the opportunity. This is just waiting is for the opportune moment. It's the only reason I sat with this podcast, Brad. That's all it is. <laughs> just an opportunity to to do puns to our listeners. Um, yes. Oh, and the other thing that I wanted to come back to was the movement in the box. And again, it was from watching the United game. Mm. Watching Cavani. Now, Cavani is a master. He's an absolute master at movement in the box. Go watch the. There's a couple of chances, but watch the goal for where he, where he heads it in past Larice. Unbelievable. Like he he really mm. like he's a master of it. But something that I do and you know, against Sheffield when we're, you know, two 0 up, which is winning. Again again I think two 0 is winning. Two three 0 I, I could be a draw. I'm not sure, but I need to check. Um the when you're winning it, it's not as much of an issue, right? But I do feel the kind of limitations of Lacazette again, but also the movement from Pepe in the box, the movement from even Martinelli at times in the box, he kind of gets sucked into it where I don't see any kind of, you know, when, when someone's got the ball on that right-hand side, you want to feel like the the strikers are, are pulling defenders out of position. You want to feel like they're creating space in the box. And watching that United game, I realised how much we lack it. Um, yeah. And I'm not going to make a Lacazette comment and lack and do that because it's not funny. Brad, you go. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, I... The Cavani move, uh, I think, has been great for United because I think that whilst they've been persisting with Martial, having that secondary option, who it, who is, whilst kind of older and a bit more aged, has mastered what he does so well. And that is what we miss. Somebody that is constantly moving sometimes and somebody that is... And also, Cavani's taller. One thing that I think if Lacazette was is he's like five seven five eight is he he's nah, a short man he's, he's like five. he's a small don how Lacazette this is literally our entire podcast just googling how tall people are googling uh, <laughs> why does it always give it in meters give it in feet Dickheads. yeah I hate he's that. five nine five nine okay and Cavani for example he's like a, he's like a short five nine right yeah he's a short five nine Cavani's six foot. So yeah, he's got yeah, yeah. a couple of inches on him, which just adds to that aerial prowess. And, you know, Lacazette 
can't run, let alone jump. So it is that having that extra movement and having that extra couple of inches just makes Cavani a more dangerous player. Yeah, yeah. And means that with Lacazette, like we've seen it all season when we've been lumping crosses into him and he just can't challenge because he's Mm. up against, you know, I, I go back to that Tottenham game and I go, well, we've got kind of six foot four, Alderweireld at the back with Davison Sanchez, who's also quite tall. And how we've got a five foot nine small French man trying to outjump them. And it's just not working. Whereas having those extra few inches and that extra little bit of movement and prowess just takes it up a notch, which, you know, and especially because, um, you know, there were talks of, and we've spoken about it before, that there was an offer on the table for Lacazette in the summer. Mm. So uh, they earn comparable wages. They're both on about nine million pounds a year, 10 million euros a year. So obviously hindsight, all that, you know, the usual tropes that we love to throw into these podcasts. But I think that uh, how much better would we have been with a Cavani who has that movement, who who has that aerial prowess, you know? Um, I think there's only, it's only Dominic Calvert-Lewin it's only Dom- Dominic Calvert-Lewin that's got more headed goals than Cavani this season with six over Cavani's five. Hmm. And obviously, you know, we're fucking seven games away from the end of the season. Of course, we have a more rounded picture of what's going to happen because it's happened. <laughs> um, do, you, like, do you know what I mean? Of course we fucking do. Stating the obvious podcast, yeah. 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 But... It, 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 I think moving forward, hopefully we make some smarter decisions around that and we don't allow ourselves to be swayed into this idea that Giroud had us doing a few times where we went, oh, he's had a good season. Maybe next season he'll be even yeah. better. Yeah. Maybe next season he'll be even better. No, it's time to cut ties and rebuild. Yep. I think, anyway. 100%. Yep. Um, then the second goal came in the second half. Uh, Pepe, she- who, can you look up who number three is for Sheffield quickly? Um power Ender like Joe Rogan when he Ender Stevens um mm-hmm. the yeah I mean Pepe shoves off Ender Stevens I, I've never seen anyone not can you check when Ender Stevens contract is ending because I imagine it's this summer I have never seen a player <laughs> be shoved off the ball so easily uh, after Lundstrom's uh misplaced pass plays it into uh, 2023 wow okay well Ender mate that was he signed a new contract a month ago. There's so many ender puns. I'm not going to do it. The <laughs> It's the end of an era. Hey. Um, so, yeah, it, it was really easy. <laughs> Ball comes into uh, Lacazette. Um, palm, Ramsdale palms it out. And Martinelli, I just love you. Just love you. And it's great. And it also, what's great is is actually speaking of movement, Martinelli does kind of get sucked into Arsenalitis a little bit, but his movement on that goal is really, really good. If you watch it, he's anticipating the palm out. He's an- anticipating the ball. Um, it's really good, and it's two 0 And one guy I think... that I wa- um the, on the who's I th- they were talking about um, Timo Werner's struggles. Um, it was just a clip of the um, I think it was the kickoff that popped across my Twitter feed. Um, and they were talking about Timo Werner's struggles. In that one of the reasons that this guy thinks that Timo Werner is struggling so much is because he's not making those runs that are on the off chance that it hits the post mm. or on the off chance that it's palmed out. And like you yeah. say, Martinelli having that awareness to be in that place just in case is 
a fantastic kind of insight into yep. his mindset and tell you what the hallmark plus to his game big time the hallmark of a good striker right is when a ball is coming to a defender and it's just the striker and the defender and there's no one around and the striker gambles that the defender is going to miss misplace the header that is the hallmark of a good striker because mm. especially if someone like Martinelli who's not the tallest if if you if a ball's coming in and he's gambling that you know is someone's going to do a sabios and head it backwards or whatever you can look up Marcelli's height for God's sake. <laughs> Should we reveal our heights? Should she just turn into like the, <laughs> the How tall are you, Alex? I am five foot ten and a half, I think. Oh. How tall are you? Ooh. You're like six something, aren't you? I'm six foot. Content. Um yeah, like the the sort of the He's five eleven. He's five eleven. Is he? He looks quite small. Yeah. He's a, he's a small five eleven. I think it's no, but I think like you say, it's the frame, isn't it? Yeah. I think I think with with Gabby like he he does have that slightly like hunched frame he does have that slightly like almost like laser focus which makes him yeah I guess just look a little bit shorter than he is but anyway yeah what I'm what I'm trying to say is like just that that sort of movement and that sort of you know the sort of, he just gives me like Suarez vibes he really does um I like it oh, and, do you know and, what? and I just that love is the one that is one signing I wish had come off I fucking hate Suarez but yeah 40 million and a pound this is a public service announcement to William de Borges Silva. Oh, for fuck's sake. William, turn up your headphones and listen to this. Stop running towards the ball. Run into the space. I swear, if you do that one more time, nothing's going to happen because I have no power over you and you're a professional football player. But I will be annoyed and you'll know about it. Every single time, every single, he does it in every single game. And I think it's a laziness thing. I think he thinks that running towards the ball, I don't know what it is, fitness, but to me, it feels like a laziness thing. Run it. He's constantly running towards the ball, just like clogging up the space. Run to the space. Be available. When do you ever, genuinely, I would love to see a clip, any kind of clip of like Willian making an intelligent run and receiving the ball not within five yards. He's always next to the ball or next to the, to the player. So you can't use him. Even, even th- this idea of Willian, like, you know, having any kind of burst of pace, I mean, it's gone. But like, this guy constantly, constantly is just next to the ball. It's pointless. You're, you're a winger. Be in space. Receive it. Stretch the team. Stretch him behind. Run him yeah. behind. It pisses me off. I think, you know, it says something when Martinelli came on yesterday and has had three shots on target in something like 67 minutes and Willian has had one, is it zero or one shot on target all season in like 32 appearances? I don't know. Like that, I don't know. like, and and then you, if you want to go, oh, okay, well, you know, you, you talk about his um, playmaking, like, what playmaking? <laughs> he he can basically basically he's he's fairly technically secure, and on the left he sometimes can keep the ball for us and recycle possession. That's about all he can so do. He's basically like Sabios as a left winger, except from he's now ninety four years old, so his legs have gone. Yeah. So <laughs> pointless. Um, Saka went off injured, which was a concern. Um, I am seeing like some people going, well, well you should have rested Saka. It's like, mm, no, because we would have been fuming if well, we lost if that Erdegaard's game. Well, if back, if Erdegaard's like, back and Smith-Rowe's back, losing Saka isn't the end of the world. 
you know, well, he's I, our best I think player, was, but it also isn't the end of the world. Do you know what I, mean? I saw him walking um, to the team bus. So I think he's fine. But the, the, the more the point being, I think there's a, and again, we're going to use our favourite phrase, but hindsight is twenty twenty. And, uh, you know, I don't think when that lineup came out, anyone was going, why are they playing Saka? It's like, we've got to win the game. And he got a dead leg. He'll be fine. Um, it's also like confidence going into Thursday. Winning this game and winning this important. game by a large margin is so important because it gives us the confidence to go into the game on Thursday and just play our style of football, play our brand of football. And I think one of the reasons that we were so poor, especially in the opening kind of half an hour against Slavia Prague, was that kind of almost English hangover from the Liverpool game. You know, we were so poor in that Liverpool game and that affects the confidence. And Mm. moving into then the Slavia Prague game, that does kind of carry over a bit, which is why when you see teams go on 10, 15, 20 game unbeaten runs or like they're winning 15 games in a row it's because the confidence is infectious and you start believing that you can't lose so having this confidence is is massively important for for thursday moving 100 100 uh final goal lovely bit of play from party turns his man gorgeous stuff plays a lovely ball through and it's a great finish from lacazette and as you say, the confidence, you know, three points, just knowing that we have a player who can do that, knowing we have a guy on the other end who has, has been in a similar situation like that, as he said in his own post-match uh, conference, he said, you know, I, I missed an easy chance on Thursday, so it was good to get that for the confidence. It's just useful. And that's why I think, like, mm-hmm. as you as you were just saying, like, it's important to put a strong team out because every game matters. In, in, these, in these type of situations where you're heading into Thursday, the temptation yeah. is obviously, like Man City did, the temptation is to, is to, is to rest. But now that there's a nagging doubt in their mind, they just lost to Leeds at home with ten men, and I know Leeds had a gargantuan, um, you know, kind of uh, performance from Leslie and yeah, inc- yeah. incredible, right? Like, but but equally, that puts a doubt in your mind going into your, your Champions League game, and, and you know, it's Man City, like you know, I don't know how much that matters, but for for Arsenal, a team that has basically no confidence and no kind of belief in itself, and can kind of veer so quickly. Being on those momentums, I think I think uh, Arteta talks about it a lot. You know, we need to get into a five-six game winning run because then you're going into games mm. expecting to be competitive rather than going fuck, what's going to happen? Yeah, I think it's also like City have won the league. Like I'm going to look at the league table, but the only person like I, I saw something on Twitter. Did I screenshot it? Was my phone um, that was like almost United's path to winning the league? And they need City to drop points, whether that be lose or draw in, in about five or six of their upcoming games um, for them to kind of catch up. And I think when you have the luxury of being, you know, 11 points clear with six games to go. You can decide to take the hit on Leeds because... The Champions League is way more important to City than the Premier League is. They've won three Premier Leagues, for Christ's sake. They've, they've, they've got the highest points total on record ever in the Premier League. So they are obviously going to focus on the competition that they have yet to have some kind of luck in. Yeah. And they're going to want to dispatch Dortmund as quickly as possible. So you can understand why they're resting players. But we, we don't have we that. needed the confidence. We needed, <laughs> we needed the confidence, confidence to go into yep. Thursday 100%. and go, we're going to absolutely batter these farmers. But yep. um, who knows if we will? You'll yes. have to come back on Friday to find out. 
yeah, this podcast will be the only place you can find out whether Arsenal beats Slavia Prague. Um, there certainly won't be any discussion if we don't on Twitter. None at no. all. Um, so Not a single thing. Outperformed our XG, which is good as well. Um, mm. And yeah, listen, good performance. As we said, confidence, confidence good game. Uh, building. Good game. That was fun. Three points, three three goals. Clean sheet. First, uh, first clean sheet in like 14 games. On to Slavia Prague. We all knew this one was, you know, hopefully just going to be a, a simple a simple game and not any complications. Let's be clear. If we'd lost this one, we would have been fuming. But um, no, we didn't. Oh, yeah. and, Absolutely. And we did we would have lost to a team that's only beaten two other teams all fucking season. Four other teams all season. Mental. Anything else on the game, Brad? Nothing from me. Alex? We'll see you. After this. News and views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, you can support us on Patreon and buy me a coffee. Links are in the show description. Not a lot of... Not a lot. Not a lot of news. 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 Um, we had the news last week about Balogun. Um, I mean, we all know about the injury crisis. It's not particularly interesting to talk about. It's just, it's just a shame. I wouldn't it's really call it a crisis, though. It's just Tierney, isn't it? Really, Tierney's it out is, for the rest of the season it because is piling it's like a four up, to six week thing. Depends on Smith yeah, Rowe and, and Erdegaard are the only other two, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it depends on how how Tierney recovers. Uh, so not Tini. Um, Saka recovers, uh, but yeah, Arteta confirmed mm. that Tini's out for the season. Uh, but Smith Rowe, Erdegaard, Abamyang, I think Abamyang's not I, out I, though. No, it's I not don't. like <laughs> just, I just. I don't believe it. it for one fucking second. This is the same club. Well, how, that the thing is, is like, how often out. have we seen this for the club? Like you had backache yeah. like for seven years for Christ's sake. Yeah, um, just happened to be at every big away game. Uh, yeah, listen. I think he just probably they probably just didn't want Aubameyang to to take take the trip to Sheffield and it would have looked bad. So, um, so I just want to have a discussion in this little bit, um, basically because I think there's something that we potentially maybe we're missing, and I know we've discussed this on WhatsApp before, but there's a kind of um, something underpinning uh, a lot of these things that I think should start to come into the kind of the, the narrative and the, the the discussions around the club. So. Mm-hmm. Arteta, he's the messaging we're getting right from the club is that he's going to be here next year, right? And he's going to be backed in the summer. And he's going to be backed. So what? Basically, the idea that whatever happens, Arteta is going to be backed in the summer. He's going to be supported by the club. He's going to be supported by the club. He could come tenth. He could come out of the Europa League. We could not qualify for Europe. It doesn't really matter unless we get you know relegated. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to get relegated. That wasn't so. I'm sure pretty sure we're. I'm pretty sure we're like statistically safe points wise now. Like yeah, pretty sure we yeah. can't be relegated. The point being that Arteta is very secure in his job, right? Now, mm-hmm. in every job in the world, the fact that most, well, certainly most jobs in the world, the fact that you could get sacked is a reason, is a motivator, right? You you turn up to work on time because you don't want to lose your changes job. Changes the way that you act, changes certain decisions. Exactly. That exactly. you make, all of these things. So if Arteta knows for a fact that he is not going to get, basically, unless an absolute disaster happens, he's not going to get sacked. I think that's a really important thing for us to remember when we're discussing mm. the things that he's done. So for me, 
things like late substitutions. He wants to prove that his tactics work. He wants to see to the fullest extent whether this tactic works. He, if if results are kind of slightly less important, you're gonna you're gonna stick out for another ten minutes to see if that tactic works. You're gonna you're gonna give a player slightly more of a chance. If results aren't everything, you can send Saliba out for another year and get him on loan just just in case he, for example, had a nightmare in the Premier League and you shatter a young guy's confidence. If results aren't everything. You can keep Gwen. You can keep El Neni over Guendouzi, and you know that p- potentially, mm-hmm. you know the uh, the situation with El Neni is he's going to be a six out of ten every week. You might get better performances out of Guendouzi, but you you have the time because you're not under a time pressure to send him out alone and hopefully get a more well rounded, more balanced player back. You don't have to have the For talent this year. Either sell or to keep. Yeah. Exactly, you don't have to have the talent this year. With Willian, if he knows he's not going to get sacked he can continue to use willian because he's going he wants to prove that his ideas work and he he's trying to stamp his authority with stuff around the culture of the mm. club with the way he's handled the pepe situation with the way he handled when jacka got sent off against burnley i think looking at it through that lens i wonder whether there's certainly a, a level of um i don't know tempering or or, or just it's something it, to consider because i think arrogance. sometimes when people Potentially, potentially, hundred percent, and and just to, just to finish this off, I think there's there's we definitely have to consider that when we're, when we're talking about Arteta's performance. And just mm. to put it in context, the uh, tonight was Mikel Arteta's fifty first Premier League game in charge, which means that he's matches matches the tally of Unai Emery. Uh, Emery played fifty one, uh, same as Arteta. Emery won twenty five. Arteta won twenty two. Emery drew thirteen. And Arteta's drawn 12, but Emery lost 13 and Arteta's lost 17. If results aren't everything, because you know you're going to be back in the summer, you know there's a process going on here and you can focus on that process. I just think it's an interesting thing to, thing to discuss and something to factor into our debates around it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that it, it does almost give reason to why he acts the way that he can act sometimes with these late substitutions with the persistence of playing willy and all of these things i just think it's almost it will be to the detriment in the end in that Mm. next season if he still does the same things fans will already be sick of it there won't be a like a, a period of grace it'll be if you fuck up and when you fuck up people will call for his head straight away. Straight away. Mm. It'll be, if we go on a four or five match losing run in the Premier League and we're looking poor and he's still playing Willian and we haven't shipped him out in the summer and all of these things, it will just make the rope which he hangs himself with a lot shorter. It'll happen a lot quicker. Mm. Like it, it will just, the the turnaround will be massive. It will be, and especially because you're looking at the possibility of fans being back in the stadiums next summer, because you, you, that is also a, a massive part of this. If fans yeah. were in the stadiums booing Willian's every touch, would he be playing every week? Probably not. Probably and not. I think that, yeah, but we, we discussed Arteta this. Arteta and yeah. we've seen this with, we've seen this with other managers and we've seen this in the way that clubs have acted, you know, Sheffield United, for example, wouldn't have been able to accept or I don't know if he resigned or they sacked him, but they wouldn't have been able to get rid of Chris Wilder if fans were in the stadium because fans would have fucking rioted Mm. because Chris Wilder is a Sheffield United man. And I think that if you look at the 
the way that certain other clubs have acted, it is no surprise that he has persisted with this when there hasn't been a loud opposition because yeah. your tweets don't go to Mikel. Like, yeah. he doesn't follow and, you, mate. And he so says like, himself. He's not going to get this. Well, he does listen to our podcast. He has told me. But the yeah. the point... the. If if he said himself in his press conference last night, I don't I don't listen to that kind of stuff. I don't I don't you know. He said something like, "Have you seen the clamor for Martinelli to start?" And he said, "I don't, I don't listen because I don't want it to affect me." I was like, "That's so interesting." So you're someone who doesn't want, and that's fine. That's a way of doing it. You isolate yourself and you trying to keep your own ideas, and you know that that that's I get that. But then where are your critics? Where are the people who are challenging you and challenging you in a way that is important, challenging you in it, in you know, because they're not in the stadium. You're not reading them on social media. And in terms of his coaching staff, there's no one there who's been a manager. Tim Stillman made this point in the Austin Vision podcast. And I think it's really important. There is no one there who has been a manager and been in that situation. You know, Albert Steibenberg, Steve Round, Carlos Cuesta, Miguel Mullet, that great coaches. I'm sure. I don't know, but I'm sure they're great coaches, right? But they've never been in a situation where they can look at him in 60 minutes and go, it's not working, just take it off. If, you, if you're if you Arteta and you know you're going to be here next season, you go, no, I want to prove myself. I want to prove whether these tactics work. I need to see. I need to see. It's more important to me to see whether this works than the result at the end of this game. Ultimately, because he wants to prove yeah, that he yeah, is the man. Yeah, I think that, that also comes from this. That, that also comes from the situation that he drove us into. In the, the only reason that this is acceptable right now is because we're so far off the pace, we can accept that, if that makes sense. So because we're so far away from top f- six, let alone top four, and we are so far, f- we feel so far away from being back in that conversation, that is a valid argument. But if we were challenging for top four, this wouldn't be the situation. And I mm. think that there is some responsibility on Arteta's head for driving us into this situation mm. by persisting with these players. And because this is the most open and the closest the league has been in so a compressed. long, long time. In a long, long time. This was the perfect time to kind of get back into the top four you know you're looking at Leicester still being in the top four race after having a a a litany of just mountainous injuries like they have just been absolutely decimated this season you're looking at Liverpool who have lost the best centre-back in the world and then their other two centre-backs for large periods of the season and they're still climbing back up into the top four you're looking at West Ham who have added fucking Lingardinho for Christ's sake and they're in the top four race like this was the perfect time to push on and I think that it is important to understand that this season has been an utter failure whether it's because of what and, and whether we accept what he's doing now tactically to see if things work it is because the beginning of this season was such a clusterfuck and such a failure that it allows us to just write the rest of the season off. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's interesting. And I, I just, I think you're right that, you know, for whatever reason, Arteta's acted the way he's acted this season. Um, That rhymed. The, the point is, next season, he's going to have 
there's going to be very little patience for the process. I think this is this has been, you know, we we may look back on this season and go, well, this was the process. You know, he tried out these things, he tried that out, he tried different formations, he tried different players. We, you know, we created a bit of a new identity. There was some flashes, and you know, in certain games, you know, there was a turning point against Chelsea, and we had a bit of a bump. But you know, we're we're on the road, we're on the road, we're on the road. I think if and fairly early next season, especially if we made some decent signings in the summer, if we don't see mm-hmm. real, real green, you know, we've seen green shoots, but we need to see grass now. Um, and if we don't see grass, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think by November, December, it could get really ugly. It could get really ugly. And it rightly so, because you, we have to be ruthless about also what's happening around us. And two years into a project and, and two summer windows gone, you, you need to be delivering something at this point. Absolutely. And yeah. it all, again, it depends on the backing, but we've said, we said it last week and we've said it this week and we'll keep saying it. Everything is also like predicated and it all depends on what happens around us. Say, for example, let's just say no manager gets sacked going into next season. If by November it's looking like Jose is going to get sacked and Arteta is not doing well and they are being linked to Nagelsmann, we should absolutely do what they did last season and get rid of their manager first and get Nagelsmann in like they did with Jose so that we can beat them to what... Because we had a conversation, um, I don't know if it was this week or last week, about kind of current managers, what, what feels like the current crop of managers coming up. All of them are at clubs. All mm. of them are at clubs that they, they've either just signed new contracts with or they they just feel like they're just getting started at. You know, yeah. Poch at PSG. The one that feels available is Nagelsmann because it yeah. feels like Leipzig are coming to the end of a life cycle. Mm-hmm. If Arteta isn't the coach that we need him to be right now and we need to move on, we need to be the first person to get that, to get yeah. Nagelsmann. We need to. We can't let other clubs profit from our yeah. laziness. Or whoever it is, it could be it could yeah. be Tottenham, it could be United. You know, United could go mm. through another beginning of the season like they had at the beginning of this season, which has completely put them out of the title race. You know, their poor start to the season has completely put them out of the fact that they could currently be challenging City for their 21st Premier League title or their mm. 21st top flight title or whatever mm. it is. They could decide to move on Oli because they've got a young coach out in Germany who looks like can really lead a team into playing brilliant attacking football we just need to be more ruthless Nick, i'm fine with this season as long as we put up a strong showing in the europa league we sh- like if we get knocked out by slavia prague that's a problem that needs discussing and that is something that will be carried into next season and but if we get knocked out say we lose the final to united in a one off game 1-0 i don't think you can blame arteta for that and we're also on how it happens we're 10 points off fourth mate like you know it's a very compressed league lots can happen before the end of the season we we could be sat here genuinely in sixth having won the europa league that's that's very potential very very potential just like last season just like last season we didn't think anything was going to happen and we ended up eighth and winning the europa league with an with yeah not the europa league the fa cup so you know we yeah exactly exactly could you imagine if we won the europa league last season Oh yes, that would be. Who was in the final of Europa League last season? Uh... Sevilla and United. No, Sevilla and. I can't remember. I can't remember. Sevilla and. No, why not this season? You tosspot. 
The Europa League final, 2020. Sevilla into Milan. That was it. That was it. And Sevilla beat them 3-2. That was a good yes. game. I remember that. Yeah. Listen, huge game on Thursday. Huge, huge game. We'll have a podcast Massive. for you afterwards, obviously. Um, yeah, it's a huge game. I don't want to do any previews. We all know what needs to happen. Must it's, win. It's, it's a must yeah. win. It's a, it's, you've got to play our best team. It's a must win. And uh, I hope we turn up. I think it's going to tell us a lot about ourselves, this game, um, and where mm-hmm. we're going. And a lot about who should be here next season and who shouldn't. For sure. To end, as we always do, Brad, with Arsenal trivia. With a little bit of trivia. Last time I asked you, Arsenal's tally of how many league championships is the third highest in English football after Man United uh, and Liverpool? Do you know the answer, Brad? Is it? I want to say like 13. It is exactly 13, Brad. Yes, mate. Blimey, heck. Clever boy, wouldn't you? Um, I did not even have to Google it. What was that? Uh, <laughs> uh, the question for next week is, in what year did L- London Colney open? In what year did Arsenal's uh, training ground, London Colney, open? Uh, I'm not going to give you multiple choices. I nearly did, but I'm not going to. That's the question for next week. Okay, Brad. Pleasure, right, as always. Oh, as per usual, my friend. As per usual. Uh, all right, mate. I'll see you next right, week. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you after the Slavic Prague game. Let's hope in good spirits. Um, but we will see. <laughs> we will Look see. Forward, uh, it, well, listen, if if we if we crash out, it's going to be a spicy pod. We can say that. So, Yeah, we can say that to say the least. Good times. Thanks for listening. Get ready for some good content. <laughs> Just more Googling of heights. That's what it'll be. How tall was the ref? Yeah. How tall is Arteta? <laughs> All How right. tall is Arteta? That's interesting. Don't know, mate. I have to find out. We're not doing it now. Tune in next episode <laughs> no, to find out. Bye-bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.